You're listening to the Bear Down Chicago Podcast with Logan Bradley, Ryan Dangle, Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, and Jack Wright. The Bear Down Chicago Podcast. Yeah, we're that Bears podcast. All right, folks, welcome into another edition of the Bear Down Chicago podcast. I'm not bringing anybody on just yet, folks. I have a new space. For all of you that are just listening, please make sure you come check us out on YouTube. Uh, For all of you watching on YouTube, let's say you want to go back and listen to an old episode or you want to listen to this episode. Maybe you got to miss part of it or something. Check us out. We are on Spotify, Apple Music, you name it. We are streaming wherever you are. So let's bring in the boys. I want to bring in... He's he's so famous. Like I, I just I can't get him. Like I don't know if I can be in the same room as this guy. He's the assistant editor of Bears Wire, but he was also just on NBC Sports Chicago. It's Brendan Shagru. Brendan, how are you, buddy? What's up, guys? Good to good to see you, man. It's been a long time. It feels like months since I've been on a couple TV appearances. Well, only one TV appearance here and there. But uh, no, I'm really <laughs> excited to be back with you guys. Uh, it's 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 a fun time of the year, and I'm happy that you have the new space. But you need some bear stuff in there, man. I bro, I, I we just got furniture in here. <laughs> it just got finished. There's nothing on the walls. There's a there's a bear's picture back there and a bear's football back there, but but that's about it. There you go. Um, I cannot wait. We got a, this episode is packed. We got some amazing Vikings fans that we're gonna talk to. And usually when I say amazing and Vikings fans, like we don't but these guys are wonderful and we're so still to talk to them we're going to talk about your nbc sports chicago appearance we're going to talk about bears training camp that you guys went to there's a lot let's also bring in uh my right hand man jack Wright, to the podcast really quick folks if you want to reach brendan on uh i'm not calling it the other thing if you want to get him Don't on twitter it. it's it's twitter it's i'm not calling it's, it's the logo is so dumb if you want to get brendan on twitter you can hit him at brendan shagru that's s-u-g-r-u-e if you want to get jack on twitter you can hit him at bear down jack jack how are you i'm doing great hey announcer man said logan bradley was going to be on but i don't see logan anywhere he's not going to be here peeling back the curtain logan works for a very big time baseball podcast that cannot be named or it can be i don't know whatever but he really wants to be here instead uh jack thank you uh to helping me set this up you know it's a good friend that helps you set up and move stuff and then my buddy uh john Piltaver, we just call him pill he also helped to set this thing up so uh thank you thank you thank you thank you um oh hey and look at that he just happens also to be here. So, uh, Pill, look at that sweet new space. Thanks in part to you, buddy. Um, I Sorry, I'll stop talking about it, but clearly I'm very, very excited. Uh, boys, before we get too far into this episode that is jam-packed, we've got a couple people that we got to thank. Our friend Jeff Cadwallader has been working hard since the beginning of the year to expand his real estate services to now include commercial properties. And he's been killing it. 
It doesn't matter if you're a business owner, a homeowner, or an investor. If you're looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial or residential properties, Jeff is your guy. He's our guy. He should be your guy. Jeff and I played a little bit of music. I love that dude. He's such a good people. So Jeff, hello to you. If you want to reach out to Jeff Cadwalder, do so with SVN Landmark today at 630-254-4734 or visit GenevaJeff.com today. Hi guys, Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 69 years. With six barbers, open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. They have appointments to book online or by phone at your convenience. You can go to Sheridan'sBarbershop.com, Sheridan'sBarbershop.com, or you can call 630-668-0137. And you can book yours today, Sheridan's Barbershop. Where traditional meets modern, Jack, you don't need to. This. You don't need to whisper. It's not. It shouldn't be a secret. These guys are so good. <laughs> they are. They good. are so I good. I want to make sure everyone's focus is like laser tight on the number. It and got me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I I know they've got some big news for us to drop soon, and we can't drop it just yet. But we're excited to drop it when it happens. So, okay, boys, anything we want to talk about really quickly before we bring on our our two fantastic guests? Any anything that is pressing? We got to talk about it's bear stuff. I mean, there's a lot. So I would say, you know, let's let's get into you know previewing the Vikings a little bit and then we can get everything out of the, you know, off the table in regards to bears. Cause I don't, I don't want to give one thing precedent over the other because it's been a busy few weeks. You know, it's funny as Brian came on and Jack and I were talking about this. I, you know, I get a little burnt, you know, we, we do this podcast, which I absolutely love doing, but it's, you know, a lot of work putting it all together and watching football and doing all that stuff. I, I was ready for, you know, the off season, but Man, I'm, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to talk football. So let's bring on our two phenomenal, phenomenal guests. First guy I'm going to bring on, Brian Highfield. Now, Brian is in Richmond, Virginia, but is a diehard Vikings fan and has the distinction of being on the very first podcast I ever recorded ever. Brian, it's been quite a journey, hasn't it, dude? It has been. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm, I'm excited to, to do the live stream with you guys. So there's a lot of pressure on me here. <laughs> Looking good, dude. No pressure whatsoever. Okay. And then also good friend of Jack's, good friend of mine, Dan Iverson, another diehard Vikings fan, not living up north there, eh? Right? Sorry for like Canadians that TJ Brooks, I'm sorry. Uh, so Dan, how are you? How's your off season been? Ah, so far, so good. Uh, you know, it's time of high hopes. Everyone's undefeated. So yeah. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Okay, so boys, I just I'm going to jump right into it. I've been I've been watching the show. You know this question is coming, um, and I I almost feel, oh, I I almost feel dirty saying this. Like I really grew to like Kirk Cousins considerably more than I liked him beforehand when watching Netflix, uh, the, the quarterback show. Right, it's uh, just called Quarterback. It. There's something about him. He's just this kind of genuine, real kind of. Uh, he's a corny. dork. Yes, corny, yeah. dorky. But he, but he owns it. He's a dad. He's a family guy. Uh, you know, his wife talking about how they shop at Target. Um, I just thought that was really kind of cool. So, what are we gonna do for this whole for the whole time that you guys are here? We're gonna go Dan and then Brian every time. So, so Dan, have you watched it? What was it like watching your quarterback? What was it like watching Kirk Cousins throughout the throughout this episode throughout the the show rather? 
You know, I, I've always, I mean, the Vikings fans have been pretty divided over the last several years on Kirk Cousins. And I've always been one that, that um, kind of landed on the, I like him side. And so the, the quarterback documentary really sort of affirmed um, my positive thoughts about him. Um, man, the guy is tough. Um, he's, he's a, he's an every guy, but he's also, you know, tough as nails. Um, you know, it, it definitely shows his weak sides too. I mean, he's not a perfect quarterback by any, any stretch, but, um, he, he, uh, I, I was, I was entertained by him. Um, you know, it made me cheer for him even a little harder. Um, I'm excited for the year. Well, Dan, I think you hit the nail right on the head. The division continues. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm not a huge Kirk Cousins fan. Yeah. Um, I think that he's, you know, he's done a, a, a pretty, pretty average job for us. He's at times been really good, but um, I think watching this show, um, he's a great down to earth guy and you have to love that about him. He's not a, he's not a me kind of guy. Um, and he is tough, but boy, he's, he's got some, he's got some stuff that he's trying to grapple with. And, and, and that scares me uh, when he's the quote unquote leader of your franchise. Yeah. I'm curious because I feel like the way that the show is set up, it's in tears with Mahomes mm-hmm. being obviously an elite quarterback and then, and then cousins um, and then Mariotta. Is he just too damn nice to win a championship? I mean, really like you think about the documentaries with Michael Jordan, or you think about some of the stories that come out of new England with Tom mm-hmm. Brady it is his level of, I don't know. It, it's almost an unattainable sweetness and kindness and you don't see an edge where he's lifting up his teammates and himself in a raw way, like some of the greatest quarterbacks have. I, yeah. I think I agree. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you go ahead. Dan, yeah. I, I think he certainly lacks the killer mentality. Um, I think when you're quoting uh, Margaret Thatcher, uh, you know, I think you lack the the killer mentality. I would say, I would say, I don't think that that's necessarily what, what stops him, but I, I do think that he, um, uh, I, I think he thinks too much, you know, and I, I think, you know, when, when, you know, it comes down to, I mean, he had a fantastic game in the playoffs against the giants, but then it was fourth and eight and they needed to convert fourth and eight. And, you know, you know, he, he even addressed that at the beginning of training camp, like three or four days ago. And, and um, you know, the end of the day, I, you know, the, the double edged sword of like a, a guy like Brett Favre or, or Aaron Rodgers is going to air it out. You know, he's just going to, he's going to make a decisive choice in that sort of a situation. And it's either going to work out or it's not. Um, Kirk Cousins is going to make the, the five yard throw on fourth and eight and, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, as much of a fan of him as I is, I am, I get, I get it. I don't, I don't think he's perfect, but um, I do like him. He's our dork with that. <laughs> the, the, the last thing I know, Brent, Brent has got a good question. And I want to get to it. I think the, the thing that stood out to me and I knew this already was how cerebral the position is. And there's something that, that Kirk Cousins said very specifically that stuck with me is, you know, uh, all these people that were athletes saying, well, if I'm an athlete, I'll never have to to work hard or, you know, or something along study or, or something along those lines in school. They said, I'm taking a final exam every single week and people don't realize that. And I think that was interesting to, to hear all three quarterbacks talk about how difficult that position is. And I think it just reiterated, you know, that's 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 got to be one of, if not the toughest position in sports to play. Yep. Yep. 
And I'll just add to that. I kept thinking about the Wonderlick test and how certain people sort of dismiss quarterbacks who don't score high on that. I know I don't think they're doing the Wonderlick anymore, but for those tests that are out there, after seeing that, I'm like, ooh, um, might want to pay attention to that more (laughs) just in case. (laughs) Well, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I, w- I was going to move off, but if you got something to add, go for it. Well, I would just say that I, I think that it's there's a there's a level of character there that that you have to be able to take lumps and you have to be able to have awful like god awful days, um, and be able to get up off the mat and and continue to perform at a high level. And that's very difficult sometimes. I think for someone who, I mean, let's face it, all these people who come and play quarterback in the NFL, even the third stringers, were guys that were big men on campus in high school and college. And, uh, you know, to go there in the, and get your rear end handed to you on a regular basis in practice and then in games, um, it, it takes a special character to, to get your rear end kicked like that and, and get back up and do it. Um, you know, and, you know, the ones, the ones who are great in the game have it, I think. I think $40 million a year helps for sure. For sure. Yeah, for sure. I, his, I, his agent, I, more than anything, is the MVP. Yeah, Let's just be no, real. <laughs> no question. They, if if Kirk ever gets into the Ring of Honor, he's got to include his his agent with him too. Um, but th- getting to your point, Dan, as well, I, I think the the cerebral aspect of it. I mean, you saw it when he had like his grid paper and he's drawing every you know every route mm-hmm. combination that the Vikings have. I mean, I definitely think that he takes it seriously. He's 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 the best quarterback that we've had in a long time. And I'm not knocking that. I, I'm not trying to take that for granted at all. But when you see a guy like Mahomes and, and it's easy to say, well, I wish we had the best quarterback in the league, but, but when you see Mahomes and Allen and some of these other guys where the game's shifting, I think cousins kind of lacks that ability to make plays um, out of nothing. Um, and he has to kind of have everything go right. So um, I hope he proves me wrong. I, I really do. Um, I, I think he's a great um, representative of your team. I just, gosh, I wish that he was a little bit more, <laughs> more uh, Brett Farvish. Sorry. <laughs> so moving on to what is going on with the Vikings now, um, one of our hosts, Patrick Sheldon, who I, I was surprised when this question came about because I swore it was dripping with sarcasm because that's just who Sheldon is. Um, but he was actually being sincere. Uh, your general manager, Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, he's really happy with the moves that he's made this year um, in terms of like actually moving guys off the team and, you know, sort of going in a direction and picking a lane. And we know there's been a lot of back and forth between, well, it was going to be Ryan Poles or Quezzy. So we want to know what you guys think. Is it, has he had a good approach to the offseason or are you wanting to see something different? You know, I think um, he, he as a um, as a GM, he, he came in a year ago and, and preached culture, culture, culture. And he's been true to that. Um, he has not made a lot of big splash signings. Really, the only, you know, kind of crazy outside the box one was uh, acquiring TJ Hawkinson. But that was a really good one um, a year ago. And, um, you know, he really hasn't gone after anything major this year. He, what he's done is really right the, right the ship financially for the future. So they're in pretty good shape in the next few years. Um, but they talk about having a, a really good culture. And when, when Zimmer left a, a year ago, um, the talk was that it wasn't a real positive culture. And so uh, I'm a big believer that culture matters, that culture is a performance enhancer. And I think that, that Quasey and together with Kevin O'Connell um, have done a really good job of bringing that into the building. And I, I would add that just the news from today that, that they signed uh, Daniel Hunter to, an extent, to a, to a one-year um, reworked contract and a big pay raise um, also speaks, I think, to 
making sure that they don't mess with what's already in existence here. And so I think that was a really big step forward even just today. I totally agree, Dan. I, I think obviously it's too early in Quessy's uh, tenure to say, uh, you know, anoint him as a fantastic GM. But I think in the short term, he's done a really good job of um, he's made some hard decisions um, that I think had to have been made. Letting Kendricks go, um, letting Dalvin Cook go. Um, you have to look towards the future while also staying um, competitive. I think he's done a really good job of kind of mixing those two um, perspectives. And um, he's an analytics guy. So he's really big into, you know, numbers don't lie. Um, He may not go out and sign um, the the top tier free agent, um, but he's going to get a couple other really solid players uh, for the price of one. Uh, really star player and I think he does a really good job of navigating the cap and and finding cultural fit so I like what he's done so far Um, obviously the jury's still out but so far I'm I'm pleased I completely forgot to ask if Kirk Cousins can hit a net a stationary net but uh, let's move on Uh, so uh, Dan and Brian are the Vikings in a rebuild from that you hear um, from from the Vikings over the last so has been a competitive rebuild. So, um, you know, they, they've said, um, cause that question keeps coming up at press conferences. Uh, and they, they have said, uh, no, we're not rebuilding, but, uh, we're, you know, they, they call it a competitive rebuild. They want to be competitive while they're kind of putting in their own people and, and implementing their own vision. And, and I guess I sort of see what they're doing. I, I think, um, you know, it's definitely different than what existed under Rick Gilman. Um, uh, but I also think that that you know thirteen and four last year, although that may have been a little, well, we'll see what they they can do this year. But thirteen and four last year, I mean, um, yeah, I don't think that they're rebuilding. I think that they're uh, whatever this competitive rebuild is. I think that's what they're doing. I totally agree. Quesi said it numerous times. It's a competitive rebuild. Um, I think the rose-colored, um, purple-colored goggles that I have on would suggest that they're definitely going to be competitive this year. But I think they definitely have eyes. Um, towards the future they're going to have a lot of cap space next year um, and they've got to make some moves so um, they got to sign a lot of guys Hawkinson just Justin Jefferson um, they've they've got a young team but I think they have their eyes towards something really big here in the next few years sorry about that boys that's that's my fault there okay so let, let's talk off season what what went well for the Vikings this off season um, uh, you know what what are the things that you that you thought hey the Vikings did really really well I would I would start off by saying two things uh, one they got their financial house in order I mean I think they I mean getting rid of some of the their maybe older popular I mean Adam Thielen getting rid of Adam Thielen and, and Dalvin Cook like uh, Ryan mentioned was um, I think it was tough for a lot of Vikings fans. It's tough for me to see them go. Um, but at the same time, I, I get the point. And I think they did that well. I think they set themselves up to be able to um, sign people that they want to be able to sign over the coming years, pay the people like Justin Jefferson that they're going to need to be able to pay. Um, and, and I think that they got a new defensive coordinator. You know, I think that uh, Brian Flores is, is um, I mean, his, his record precedes him. And uh, they really need something new uh, defensively. And so I'm really pleased with that totally um i also think too he's uh, they've done a great job of retaining some veterans um you know who who we really need um restructuring harrison smith and keeping him there 
Um, I think he's going to really excel in Brian Flores' defense. I'm excited to see what he does. And like this morning, um, you know, getting Daniil Hunter back um, and, and ready to go, um, he is a he is an asset. And when he's healthy, man, he's a freak. So I'm excited to see what he does. Um, yeah, it's it's exciting. All right, boys, then the flip side of that then is what, what has you worried? What didn't go well for the Vikings this offseason? Because nobody had a perfect offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think you always want to sign more people. You always want more flash. And and I don't think they had a lot of flash. I mean, they got a solid uh, cornerback in from from Arizona. But at the, at the end of the day, um, their their defense was was awful last year. I mean, it was near the bottom of the league, almost at the bottom of the league. And um, at the end of the day, uh, you know, getting a new coordinator, I think, will help, like I just mentioned. But I, <laughs> um, that would be the, the source of real concern is, is the defense um, – did not add a lot of obvious talent and thank goodness they kept Daniel Hunter, but um, we'll see. I agree, Dan. I think, um, you know, we lost two Dalvins and one I right. think was more impactful than the other. Um, mm-hmm. Losing Dalvin Tomlinson, I think this off season is going to hurt. Um, they, they really like Kyrus Tonga, former bear. Uh, they really like him in the middle. Uh, they drafted a, a, a guy later, um, you know, earlier this off season, uh, but he's a rookie. So um, I think having a big interior defensive lineman that we're in a division where they're going to run the ball. Um, and so losing Dalvin Tomlinson, I think, is going to be felt a little bit more than than maybe what the front office uh, had anticipated. What do you what do you consider to be the Vikings biggest strength going into the upcoming season and then conversely, their biggest weakness? Well, I think um, their offense, I think, is really, I mean, again, notwithstanding the fact they got rid of uh, Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook, I think their offense stands to be every bit as good and possibly better this coming year. Um, early indications out of camp so far are that Justin Jefferson, if anything, looks like he's even improved over last year, which is incredible. He was awesome last year. And so, you know, at, at the end of the day, their offense should be really, really good. Their defense, like I just mentioned, is going to be, uh, work in progress. I'm. I. They can't be a whole lot worse than last year, but you can always be worse, and so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I don't. I don't know if they're. I don't know what their weakness would be. I, I would say their question mark would be um, certainly the secondary. Uh, we we got Byron Murphy from Arizona, like Dan mentioned, um, but there's a lot of question marks around um, a Caleb Evans, Andrew Booth Jr. Um, Lewis seen uh, our first round pick last year, safety. Um, you know, he, he broke his ankle like week one or week two of last year. Um, I, I think there's just a lot of question marks. I'm not so much concerned with the, the front seven. Um, it's, it's the back half of the defense and I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do, but I, I think it's more of a question mark than it is a weakness because we just haven't seen what those guys can do together. We, we haven't seen a full season out of them. Yeah, that's fair. Boys, this is a Bears podcast, so we got to ask this question. Uh, how do Vikings fans feel about the Bears offseason? You know, I think um, when when I hear about the Bears, <laughs> we we, uh, we fields getting like 43 yards of carry against us in like whatever week five or whatever it was last year. Um, and, um, you know, I think that's, that's the big question is, is a can, is the defense going to be better equipped to stop someone like Justin Fields running the way he is? And then can Justin Fields 
um, step up and become a, a NFL passer the way he needs to, to do. And I think, um, you know, that that's, I, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know that, that Viking fans think that the bears could be a whole lot worse than they were last year. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I think a lot of it centers around how the quarterback develops and whether or not he, he develops as a passer in addition to a runner and then specific to the Vikings, whether or not the Vikings can stop him if he does run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, the Bears front office, clearly um, they want to see if Justin Jefferson can be that guy. Um, I think going out and getting a guy like DJ Moore, um, they're surrounding him with talent. Um, I think that they believe in him uh, to be that kind of X factor quarterback, the running ability and the big arm. I think it's going to be an interesting year. I think this NFC North is going to be a little bit more competitive than people anticipate. I think it could be a, a three-headed monster. I mean, I really do think the Bears, the Lions, and the Vikings could be duking it out. I will never say that the Packers will be in it, but uh, but I think the three of those teams could be really battling this year. should be exciting. I got one follow-up question to that. And it's it can just be a simple one, yes or no. But there has been reports over the last few years that the Vikings wanted Justin Fields in the draft. So after seeing him, what he's been able to do, would you want him as your quarterback going forward? Just yes or no? Yes. No. Okay. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I, think, I think if you were to put uh, Justin Fields with Justin Jefferson – Oh my God! I, I, I think that would be, I think it'd be incredible. Let me just say this: I think if if it's fourth and eight in the playoffs, I think Jefferson, uh, Justin Fields can run for that. And I think I think, I think we're we're playing in the next uh, week of the playoffs. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And that may be true. That, that, that may be true. But um, yeah, I just I, my, my concern with Fields is that it, he just hasn't proven himself as a passer yet. And, um, you know, that's the number one job of an NFL quarterback and, and running quarterbacks in the NFL as spectacular as he was at times last year. And he was. Um, I don't know. I just I um, I, I, I worry that he's going to get himself hurt. So. No, it's fair. And we totally fair. Need to see more out of them. Yeah, we definitely need yeah. to see more out of them this year. But we're great. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. All right. So moving on, kind of a similar question to what we had for the Bears. Uh, how do you feel about the rest of the NFC North going into the offseason or going into the season after the offseason division has had? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think I have probably something like religious objections to predicting that the Lions will win it. Um, but, um, <laughs> So it's a, it's a crisis of faith at some level for me at that, that level because they do appear on paper to be maybe the best team. Um, but uh, but after it, I, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, I, I I have no idea what I, I can't. I can't. But I mean, the Packers have had 30 years, three decades, like like almost all of my life with with a Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, they can't get another one. Like, I mean, you know, Jordan loves, he can't be that guy. And, and I, I don't know. And so um, if that's not true, they're not going to be very good. And, and um, that will be awesome. And, and so, yeah, I don't, I mean, the Packers, obviously, you know, I mean, that's, that's the big thing is, is can Jordan love be the person? And, and I don't know if he can. Um, and then of course, you know, I mean, the, I think the bears, I think the bears have done some good things over the course of, of, um, 
the last year or, you know, since, since last year, they've done some good things. They've made some good moves. And I think that they're a better team than they were last year. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just, I have a, such a hard time saying, I think the lions are going to win this thing. Um, I, I have a hard time thinking that the, the Vikings are going to finish 13 and four again, either. I mean, they went 11 and zero in one score games last year. They, I think used all of their nine lives and then some, um, last year. So it, it's, I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised by a whole lot of things unless Jordan Love becomes another, like the third straight Hall of Fame quarterback that the Packers get. I think that would, I, I don't know. I think I might quit as a football fan. That's no, a, not going to happen. Yeah. I, so. Yeah. The football gods cannot be that mean to us. Can they? I mean, <laughs> right. I, I, Dan, I think you, you hit the nail right on the head, man. I, I think um, the lines on paper look really great. The bears have made a lot of improvements. The Vikings are coming off a 13 and four year. It's, it's going to be it's going to be competitive. I'm just excited that it's right around the corner. Agreed. I'll just say this real quick. The it team of the offseason in the last decade or so usually hasn't done well. 2019 Bears, 2019 Browns, 2022 Broncos. 2014 Bears. I hate that I have to say that twice. Um, but just like those kind of offseason teams that are supposed to be good usually more than often they're not they flounder so i kind of i'm with you i can't really say that the lions are going to win the division i actually think it's going to be the vikings sadly um but <laughs> I, I just i can't pick them the offseason hype things just bad things happen in my opinion yeah. jack before you ask before you ask your question we, we have a listener question so uh john wants to know how do you guys feel about jordan addison a good compliment to jefferson were you excited about that pick real speedster Ah, <laughs> there it is. It took a minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Addison itself is. I mean, we'll see. I mean, yeah, yeah. Let's hope he doesn't keep driving 140 miles an hour um, up and down. But yeah, so far so good. We'll see. I don't know. He's a. I mean, we've had Justin Jefferson and Laquan Treadwell in the last you know 10 years <laughs> as far as that goes as first round receivers, um, and that's got to be the polar opposite. So let's let's see. Yeah. <laughs> And and before that, Troy Williamson. And so, right, you know, right. That's, that's not a that's not. And Randy Moss. We've had like I mean, it's we, yeah, we've it's, been all over the place. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think it, I think it made sense to replace. I mean, Thielen had mm-hmm. seventy plus catches last year, so mm-hmm. you've got to replace that somehow. Uh, truth be told, when we made the pick, I was not totally on board with it. I just felt like we needed to focus on defense. But again, they love value where they can get it. I think Addison was probably the best receiver to come out of the draft, actually, in terms of route running. So that's a perfect replacement for Thielen. But I will say this. I do not think he's going to be the number two. I think it's going to be K.J. Osborne. I expect K.J. Osborne to have a big year. And Addison as a rookie, third or fourth option receiving. I mean, Hawkinson is pretty much their second, third, you know, um, wide receiver de facto. Um, So, again, I think it's a – it's a pick for more future um, versus this season. I would agree. Yeah I agree, with that. With, yeah. I agree with that, Brian too. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, it's time to put the, your money where your Vikings are. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to add a prediction. If that's okay, already uh, two predictions, a win total for your Vikes. And then what do you predict the division outcome will be first, second, et cetera. Oh boy. Um, all right. I, I'm last year at this point, I said 11 and six. And I'm going to stick with that again this year. I'm going to stick with 11 and six. And so, um, and so 11 and six, I think will put them 
Uh, first or second. Uh. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I think it might put them first. I, I think the Lions go second, maybe the Bears third. I'm going to hopefully be Packers fourth. So. That would be awesome. That the last part anyway, not not yeah, no, not Bears right. in third, yeah. but but yeah. Packers being last place, that would be amazing. Yeah. Dan, we're on the same wavelength, man. That's exactly what I had them pegged for. Eleven and six. Um, I do think we win the division. Detroit second, Bears third, Packers fourth. Oh man, Packers in fourth place. I don't. What, what would that be like? I don't. I just don't know. Boys, we we want to say thank you so so much for being here. Obviously, when the season gets rolling around, we want to have you guys back. Uh, Dan, Brian, any shout outs you guys might like to give before we say thank you very much and see you next time. Well, to the four or five other Vikings fans in the Chicago area, <laughs> keep the faith. <laughs> Along with Kevin Nolewski. Yes. <laughs> so, oh, we wanted tonight. Kevin to be, yeah, we wanted yeah. him to be here, but unfortunately couldn't, couldn't make it. So Brian, what yeah, about you? We, we miss you, Kevin. Um, so shout out to him, but also uh shout out to my father who said that he was going to be attempting to watch this, but like me, he's sort of a Luddite. So I don't know if he's good with technology. Um, and he's the one that uh, unfortunately got me into the, to the purple uh, reign of watching <laughs> the Vikings. So I have to owe all my, uh, all my sympathy to, uh, to him, you know, it's a tough well, existence. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, That's sports fandom, right boys. All right. All right, right. So folks, this is Dan Iverson, Brian Highfill. Gentlemen, thank you so much for filling us in. We really do appreciate you guys very, very much. Take care, gentlemen. Thanks. Thanks guys. Thank you Thanks, so guys. much. So this is the first of a three-part series. Obviously going to be going around the NFC North. We're going to talk to some lion fans. We're going to talk to uh big name with Packers. I'm going to just leave that Brendan to you. If you want to, we can we can wait to, to drop it. I don't know if it is confirmed. Confirmed? No, it's it's confirmed. Um, Jason Hirsch Hirschhorn. I can't remember how to say Hirsch, his name. Hirschhorn. 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 Yeah, he uh, does stuff with the leap. Um, he's basically um, he's he's Peter Bukowski's counterpart, but he's kind of the. Um, I don't know who would be Jekyll and Hyde in this case, but Jason's got Jason's takes are very measured and he doesn't go after bears fans or just make wild outlandish takes like his co-host does, or his, um, I guess, co-writer. <laughs> so um, I've had some good in- interactions with Jason. I think getting somebody who's, you know, actually at Packers training camp with all the intrigue going on is just going to be fantastic. So uh, yeah, Jason's going to join us next week and I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, God help us if Sheldon's on. We just have to make sure we put a muzzle on him so he doesn't start bashing Bukowski all the time. <laughs> I, I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie at all. Uh, I, I, Dan, Dan and and Brian, they've been our friends from the start. You know, while while they're not on a on a Vikings publication, I think they're both smart enough where they could be. Oh yeah, um, they could be. They could be podcasting themselves, and and I would listen to it if if they weren't Vikings fans. Uh, but just measured good guys, and I, I'm stoked that we got the chance to talk to them. And we'll figure out the Lions situation as soon as possible. Um, Brendan, I, I mean this sincerely. I have been dying to sing your praises. I've been dying to talk about this experience. You got to be on TV, man. NBC Sports Chicago. <laughs> um, it was it was so freaking cool. Uh, I, I, and I mean this sincerely. I, dude, you crushed it. Crushed it, dude. You you were you you belonged in that chair, and it was really fun to watch, man. What was that experience like for you? Well, thank you. Um, you know, I could 
I could be self-deprecating or I could downplay it, but the truth of the truth is it meant so much to me. And it was a goal that I had internally ever since I started writing about the bears back in 2019, I sort of had these like little checklist items like, okay, get featured in another article, uh, be a guest on a podcast, uh, potentially have a podcast. And then, you know, seeing other people, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, seeing other people and other writers get opportunities like that, whether it was NBC Sports Chicago or WGN or at the time CLTV, I always kind of sat there and I was like, I want to do that. I want to get to a point like that. And so for them to reach out to me, you got the email, <laughs> which is the best part. Ryan sent me this. He's like, I think you should, might want to see this. I'm like, holy crap, what the hell? This is this isn't real. And I legitimately, I was, I looked up the guy's name, the, the producer, just to make sure it wasn't anybody messing with me. Um, sure enough, it was real. Um, so just getting the opportunity was it really, really meant a lot. And um, it was kind of surreal to even be asked that where, you know, other writers and broadcasters and reporters have done the same. And then there's me <laughs> being there as well. Um, but I, I'm very proud of the fact that I was able to, uh, able to be on that and um i still haven't watched it all the way through i don't know if i ever will because i know what i said i know what i did i know what i would need to work on uh if i get the opportunity to go back and i'm hoping i do uh, but just the outpouring of support and messages from everybody uh the last few weeks and when it was going on and you guys especially uh just really really meant the world um it, it was one of the coolest experiences uh of my life so um I don't know. Yeah, that's just kind of it in a nutshell. I mean, I can go into more like everything that happened, but <laughs> when you think when you think about what your perception of what the experience was going to be like, right? Because you just you had to have like yeah. had something in your head, like this vision of what it might have been like, and then what it actually turned out to be. What what turned out to be the 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 furthest off from your perception or maybe the most on, but really the furthest off, if anything. You know, there wasn't really a whole lot that I was missing or, you know, I, I had like bad perceptions or whatever. I kind of understood. I understood the assignment. Yeah. Um, I, I think the thing <laughs> that, that threw me for a loop a little bit, and this was the pre-process was I was going back and forth with the producer. They were letting me know who the host was going to be. And in this case, it was Mark Carmen, who I'll just say right off the bat, um, Carm's some, some of Carm's takes I totally disagree with. And I think he's got some meatball takes, you know, when he's doing CHGO and everything, but he was so welcoming. He was so kind and just overall helpful when I was in the chair and just talking with him, he really set me up. Well, um, he was a real asset to me and he could have, you know, I think there were other hosts. I'm not going to say who, um, that may not have done the same thing. Um, but I, and they, I don't want to, you know, disparage anyone. They, they have a lot of great hosts like Layla Rahimi and Josh Schrock. Um, but Karm was fantastic. And he, he really just went out of his way to make me feel uh, comfortable. But I, I think the biggest perception was I wasn't sure what we were going to talk about and kind of leading up to the, the day that I was going to go in, I think it was probably like less about 24 hours um, into it, or even it was the morning of, I think I'm texting the producer. We're going back and forth. And I'm like, so what are we talking about here? Like, I, I don't really have a rundown yet. I'm kind of hoping to get a rundown. And they asked me, they're like, well, what do you want to talk about? And I said, well, I did this top five or top 10 acquisitions for the Bears. 
Um, and then there was this Cole Komet tweet that came out about Dan Orlovsky that's going around. I have thoughts on that. And then Colin Cowherd said something that Colin Cowherd says. So that's happening. I'm like, I could talk about all of it. And they said, great, we'll do it all. So I essentially programmed the show for that segment, which I was not expecting to do. But it was really just helpful and I guess really cool that I was going to be able to say, okay, these are the topics I want to talk about. And you guys rolled with them. And I thought overall, just the variety that we had, and especially being like in a dead part of the off season was, was really good. So that, that might've been my biggest perception, but um, you know, I get there, we go into the green room with those uh, like black, like recliners that you've probably seen like Alex Brown and Lance, Lance Briggs hanging out. in. I, I sent you guys a picture. I was like, Oh my God, I'm, you know, in the green room here. <laughs> and it was, it was fine. Like it was just a standard green room. Um, and just walking into the studio, I just was, it was vibrant. It was new. Of course, but for people who don't know, NBC sports, Chicago redid their studios a couple years ago. So uh, it looked really, really nice and just being surrounded by all the graphics and everything and the bright lights. I'm like, okay, this is it. And, you know, sat down in the chair and sort of, I, I think I told the producers, I was like, guys, by the way, this is my first time doing actual TV for bear stuff. So just please go easy on me. Um, and so it was, yeah, it, it was just like the, you know, a nerve wracking experience. And I had the worst cotton mouth possible that I had to fight my way through so hard. And I said, I was like, I hope that you couldn't hear that. And they said, no, it sounded good. Um, which made me feel better, but yeah, that, that was just kind of, you know, what I was experiencing. Um, I only had to stop once because, uh, they kept, you know, producers behind the camera and cameramen they are, you know, queuing guys this way and like making hand signals. And I got so thrown off. I was like, guys, what the hell does that mean? And they said, Oh, just look at Carm the whole time. And I'm like, Oh, okay, fine. Um, so yeah, other than that, just rolled through everything and had a good time and had a nice chat with Carm for like 30 minutes afterwards, which was really cool. Just kind of talking about where we both got, how we both got to where we were and just questions about the industry and things of that nature. It was so cool, dude. If you were nervous, you didn't show it, man. It didn't show through on the screen at all. Dude, I had to in the green room before we came on, I, I just said a little thing to myself. I was like, all right, Brendan, like. This is the one thing you know about. This is the thing that you know Great. about. Great like if there's any, th- any topic out there in the history of topics, this <laughs> is the thing you know most. Absolutely. So don't be nervous. Like it's fine. <laughs> so I kind of had to give myself a pep talk a little bit. But thank you uh, again. Thank you guys. Thank you to everybody for, for watching and for just all of the support through it. Like I read every message. I, I saw every post. Um, whether it was on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, text messages, it, it was, it truly meant a lot. And, um, I'm really glad that I didn't just, you know, make a fool of myself on television. You didn't, you crushed it. You belonged plain and simple. You belonged boys. There's so much to talk about. And, and I, we, we could continue for some reason. If you haven't watched Brendan's interview with NBC sports, Chicago, you've got to, Good friend Heidi commenting, what an amazing experience. Heidi, thank you. Uh, it, it was so cool to see our guy up there. And we just, Brendan, you know we love you. And we just, we're so thrilled that you got to do that. And you belong, you deserved, you deserved it. It was, it was amazing. Boys, here's what I want to do. I want to just really quick, there's one 
thing because we already talked about quarterback on Netflix. Please watch it. I'm, I'm like, I'm. It's good. People are not watching. It's so good and it's so interesting to see. Um, I want to talk about the running back situation. You know, I think we we kind of talked a little bit about it when David Montgomery was trying to get a contract here, a contract we think was offered to him, but it was not a ton. Um, and now it's the Saquon Barkley. The, the there was a meeting of running backs. Like, hey, we're undervalued. What is your guys kind of take on that whole situation? Do they have legitimate gripe to say, hey, like we're we're putting our bodies in the line. We're in still an important position, but you're not paying us like that. What's your guys' kind of take on it? Let's go Jack and then Brendan on this one. You know, my, my immediate response was get your money. I think it is one of the most physical positions on the football field. They are the player that takes a pounding maybe the most, you know, you think about guys that, that are able to run full speed and tackle running backs. Yeah. There's no doubting the trenches are physical, but the amount of abuse that running backs take, I think it's gotta be somewhere up at the top of the list when it comes to the physicality of the game. And so we're seeing them have incredibly short lived careers. So, so get the bag, you know, like get your money while you can. I, it does seem a little surreal, like in a larger life perspective, we're talking about millions of dollars, but in the football world, I, I think, yeah, you, you guys do your thing. And if you need to hold out and you need to get more money and you're going to be used like you're used and abused and then cast aside, then, then yeah, get paid. So I'm not surprised that this is happening. And as soon as the rookie wage scale was implemented back in 2010, 2011, I kind of I filed that away and I said, I think this is going to come a, come to a head with running backs, because when that happened, then you get the four year contracts and well, the fifth year with the option. But you're essentially not paying rookies nearly as much as they would have before that. Remember all the holdouts and all the just lucrative deals that teams had to sign rookies to. And then after running backs were just like used and abused, like Jack said, you don't have to pay them or you can just pay them short term money. And then just let them go and keep drafting. I mean, it is, it's good business and it's terrible for the actual players. I'm with them. They should get the money, but the CBA was just renegotiated a couple years ago. And I think it was just horrible, horrible timing because Austin Eckler then became the chargers representative. And I think a year later became the, uh, one of the, I don't know if he's the president or the player president of the NFLPA, but he's he's one of the higher ones up there. So if he was on there maybe a couple of years earlier, he probably could have put his foot down and said, hey, we as running backs need more money. There needs to be more guarantees. There needs to be safeguards or whatever. I don't know what it is, but I'm kind of surprised it took this long, knowing what running backs have gone through, how very few of them do get those second contracts. I mean, it was 10 years ago that Matt Forte was potentially holding out for like a better deal and Marshawn Lynch. And then since then, I mean, Todd Gurley got paid, Ezekiel Elliott got paid, which was a stupid deal if you're the Cowboys because of what happened. But each year you just see more and more guys not get that long-term money or get franchised and then just tossed aside. And then maybe if they're making, I don't know, $12 million one year. Now they're going down to like five or six, the next two or three years. And that is just a significant pay cut. So um, yeah, I'm with them, but at the same time, I'm not surprised. This was always going to come to a head and it finally is happening. 
So, Brennan, this one is for you. Brennan, uh, how about a prayer circle for Jonathan Taylor to the Bears? Um, uh, I, mean, the Bear- I, already got, I already got people mad at me for, you know, doing the Bears meme for him yesterday. <laughs> no, they, they don't need him. They really don't. I'm I'm very excited to see what this running back room does. You have to pay him, too, and you're giving up assets. It's, it's fun if you're playing fantasy football, but I just don't. And he's hurt. Jonathan Taylor's hurt right now. I don't know if you guys saw the report that just came out while we were uh, recording, but he, the Colts are potentially going to put him on NFI because he had an injury off the field, out of practice, and now that could jeopardize him getting paid. Because if you get one of those injuries, you could lose your regular season uh, dollars. Yeah, D- Daniel Dundas is making a point about it, that, that just just how things have worked. You know, I think – when you look at the analytics side of it, Daniel, I, I totally agree. It's it's, but the the human element of it is those dudes take an unbelievable abuse to their bodies more so than a lot of other positions. Not saying other guys aren't going to get hurt, but but you know, long term career. I mean, what, what most guys play three five years tops in the NFL, and then that's that's your bag for for how long after the fact? Yeah, I, I mean, I wish I wish there was a way to get to get both people, you know, happy in this situation, the NFL, as well as running backs, but I just don't see it happening. Speaking of contracts, the first real big signing of a bear to stay with the Chicago bears. Cole Komet is staying in Chicago boys. What do we think about this? I wish Sheldon was here, you know, as much, much of a hard time as we give Patrick Sheldon about Cole Komet. I think, you know, he's stood firm is he doesn't dislike Cole Komet. He just doesn't see Cole Komet being, you know, the Travis Kelsey. He doesn't see him being someone that is a, a centerpiece of this offense. Um, and I think, you know, he, he, he'll make some good points there. Um, I'm pretty excited about this one. Jack Brennan, how are you guys feeling about this? I'm pleased. I mean, I, I think that uh, there is a bit of um, a tight end scarcity. And so a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. The guy clearly works hard, got his degree in the off season. Not that that's football related, but I do think it, you know, it permeates his entire work ethic. I like him. I think we've talked about this before. As soon as you get the idea that he can be a Kelsey type tight end out of your head, then what you have, I think is still a pretty high ceiling for a, a strong, athletic, improving, high ceiling potential tight end. And let's not forget that the passing offense was terrible, to put it mildly. And w- as we watch this begin to develop, as the offensive line improves, as DJ Moore hopefully opens up the field, I mean, I'm telling you, if we get ceiling years out of Moore and Mooney and Kometz uh, and Claypool. I know that's a big ask, but I just, I see it as a good signing. I'm behind it. Uh, we had a great discussion in the thread. I see where uh, shells is coming from, but I don't know what, I mean, would you have let him go? I, I just, I don't, I, I, I think it would have been a poor choice by, by management to have let him go. hundred percent agree. I mean, let's just go back to 12 years ago. There was a guy by the name of Greg Olson that the Bears had. They drafted in the first round. Kind of had a little bit of a slow start, but he continued to get better. Had a good year in 2010 when the Bears actually went to the NFC Championship game. He was getting ready for a bigger contract because at that point he had been in the league seven, eight, yeah, four years. And the Bears shipped him off for a third-round pick 
to the Carolina Panthers. And then Greg Olson became one of the top tight ends in the league. Now I'm not comparing apples to apples because Greg Olson and Cole Komet are different players, but Jack said, are you really going to develop this guy and see him improve year over year just to say, okay, thanks for what you did. We're going to let another team sign you to a deal when you're only 24 years old and then actually hit your prime and your peak with somebody else. This was a fair deal for a tight end who by most metrics had a top 10 borderline top 10 season. He's essentially right at that top 10 mark for uh, money per year, which I believe is 12 and a half. He got uh, $50 million total, 32, just over $32 million guaranteed. And most of that guaranteed money is going to be paid out in the first two years of his deal. So, and that also coincides with when the bears as of now have the most cap space too. So you're fitting him in at a time when it makes sense to fit him in financially Guys like George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, and I'll even put Mark Andrews in there. I I tweeted this, but I want to reiterate it. They were 24 years old and 23 years old when they entered the league. And then they got good later on in their mid to late 20s. Komet's been in the league now entering his fourth season. And tight end is a very hard position to play, especially when you have to – there's blocking assignments. There's route assignments. I've I've been a broken record on this show saying that I think Cole Komet has improved as a route runner the last few years. His blocking improved last year. The arrow is up on this guy, and he won over two regimes in a short amount of time. One, the Pace and Nagy era or regime to actually get drafted by the Bears and spend that 43rd overall pick on him. And two, Poles and Eberflus to say, yes, we want to keep this guy around because he's a cornerstone of our offense. Now, he's not going to be the top receiving option, but if he's going to be a top two or let's say top three, you you have to pay those guys. Remember a couple years ago, the Bears were in tight end hell. We're trotting out guys like Ben Broniker, the corpse of Trey Burton because he couldn't play. Jimmy Graham was here, you know, when Cole Komet was just getting started. Now you have a guy you can depend on who has not missed a game yet. This is good money. It's a good deal. And I'm really excited that we actually get him as he's entering his prime. I, it, this was a no brainer to me. Almost 600 yards receiving and seven touchdowns. That's the, that's the one that really gets me seven touchdowns and a terrible passing offense this past season. If you have a guy that's going to get you seven, eight touchdowns every season, would you go, you want that guy in your team? I, I mean, I, I think the, the, the answer to me is, is very clear. The thing that I, I tweeted about, um, and I just want to put this Dan, Dan uh, making a great point again, tenants take a while to, to marinate. He's still super mm-hmm. young. I'll take a sound blocking tight end, uh, blocking receiving tight end over a tight end disguised as a wide out I, I totally totally agree with you um you know I, I think the thing that i was really excited about is that ryan poles did not overspend to keep this guy in town but he he paid him a fair price i don't think anyone is looking at this contract being like what are you thinking why would you pay cole commit this money so you reward a guy that was drafted here that that clearly has some chemistry with justin fields keeps a a, a good receiving option who who can block um, and I just I, I don't understand why anybody would be upset about this particular contract. And I don't even think Shells is disappointed by this contract. You know, I think, you know, we've already talked about it. You know, he doesn't believe that he can be more where I think the rest of us do think he can be more. I want to ask I one can- thing. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to ask one please. thing. And I wish I, I really wish Sheldon was here because I kind of want to get his thoughts on it. But and I'm peeling back the curtain a little bit in our thread. But, you know, Sheldon talked about draft position with him you know is that still a problem that 
you picked him over some impact players and I'm not disagreeing with that, like Antoine Winfield Jr. And um, Trevon Diggs, for example, but like after a certain point in time, I'm, I'm of the belief that look, he was picked, but now he's producing and that just doesn't factor into, you know, any equation when, I guess when keeping a guy or just arguing whether he's worth it, I don't know what you guys think. And again, I know this is probably better with Sheldon here, but I just kind of wanted to throw it out there. Well, Shells would say that the, the bears have a tendency to have kind of uh, golden goggles for Notre Dame players. Uh, and that, you know, the, the drafting him in that position was a product you know, the former regime's infatuation with, with ND players. But I guess I would also say that ND does have a fairly decent history of pumping out tight ends that have been productive over mm-hmm. the course of, you know, many, many decades. Um, so, yeah, I, that's a great question. You know, at what point is there a statute of limitations on, you know, draft position and, and, and performance? I, I, again, I just think, and I, you know me, I don't generally, I don't generally hype guys and I don't make a lot of predictions about what I think that their production will be, but I do think we're going to see a significant uptick in his production. And you're, you said, you said the numbers RD, they were pretty darn good last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I do think that they will uptick uh, with the improvement of this entire offensive package. The, the hard part is projecting where he's going to be as a player in his development. You know, I think we are seeing growth. We saw growth as a receiver. There's a couple catches that he made this past season that really, that stopped you. I mean, I think we're all thinking of the same one, you know, handfully extended, pulling it in. Right. And then he, it was like five touchdowns in a, in a four span game or, or something mm-hmm. like something to that effect. I mean, that's a, that's a guy that I want to continue to see develop here when you're not paying him top end dollars. Now, boys, I want to get to this question really quick that we could talk about Cole Komet for a long yeah. time. I, and, I, and I am so excited to pick your guys' brain about training camp. But before we do that, let's just talk Arlington Heights. Do you think the Bears are going to be in Arlington Heights? I know that they did have some meetings with uh, the mayor of Chicago yet again, who seemingly is trying to distance himself from the mayor that lost the Chicago Bears and Lori Lightfoot. Um, do, we, do we see anything, I, I guess more than anything, where do you think the Bears are playing five to ten years from now, Jack and Brennan? You know, Brennan and I chatted about this a little bit at an adjacent uh you know, gin mill at a bar over a beer. And I said that I think that there's still a chance that they will be in Chicago and I don't know what iteration it will come in, but I I've said this before there was a Minnesota, uh, you know, representative on who was a part of the um, stadium build uh, when Minnesota, you know, did their stadium. And he said that at, the, at that time there were three different uh, spots in the suburbs that were all front runners. And it looked like a slam dunk that it was going to go. Uh, to to one of those um, spots in the suburbs. But what it comes down to is straight cash, homies. And at the end, somebody came in with a big bag of money and they built the stadium, uh, you know, in Minnesota proper. Uh, and so in some measure, I, it's, it's impossible to deny, you know, that, that this is a business and, and, and money moves mountains. Uh I don't know how it will look. It's a shame if it's a if it's a rebuild of what's currently there. That would bum me out. The only way I could see it being good in Chicago and staying on the lakefront is if they finish that uh, transportation hub that they are talking about finishing, and then they just tear that thing down to the ground. 
I don't know, preserve the pillars if you want. Put them somewhere outside and like put a plaque on it, but not a part of the stadium, not integrated into the stadium. New state-of-the-art, gorgeous, beautiful stadium that the Chicago Bears deserve and the fans deserve. Um, just as a personal note, too, I told Brendan, it it broke my heart seeing the TikToks of the demolition of the Arlington Heights racetrack. My family and I, we went every year. And it if it were like in shambles and they tore it down, got it. But it was beautiful. I mean, pristine, gorgeous, one of the nicest tracks in the country. It's neither here nor there, but I was sad to see that. I really was. Yeah, they really, really started poking holes literally into the into the grandstand and just seeing it from 53, just like the holes in the roof and then the f- complete front end is gone. It, it sucks. I'm, I'm with Jack on that. Um, I do think that they're still going to be in Arlington Heights. One, the the statements that came out between the mayor and Kevin Warren were just that there's nothing to it. It basically just said, we're continuing a positive working relationship together as we have the bears in Chicago. It didn't even mention the bears in Chicago. It just said, we're essentially keeping a positive working relationship uh, between our city and the organization. That to me says a couple things, but nothing too much into read, not enough to read into, if that makes sense. So one, they're essentially just kind of keeping them at bay saying, Hey, we're still here and we have a better working relationship than the other mayor office from before, because that need that relationship needed to be repaired. The bears, no matter what happens are still going to be in Chicago for the next few years. They're still going to be at soldier field. Even if they're playing there until 2030, that stadium needs to be upgraded. And if you go back, you, you know, that emails were sent, but not recently but not um, read essentially about how the bears needed or how the park district needed to make repairs to the seats and certain areas of soldier field. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a legend leverage pr- play a little bit, but all the work is still happening at Arlington Heights. And Jack, like you said, a lot of things would need to happen in Chicago for this to actually go through. You need to make those changes to soldier field You need to come to an agreement into what that would be. That transportation hub needs to be built. And that's only just on the Soldier Field spot. If they were going to try to find another space for this in Chicago, I don't know where that's going to be. Does that make more sense um, with what traffic is going to look like and actually getting 60 to 70,000 people in and out of there every weekend during a football season? I don't know. The property is already being torn down in Arlington Heights. Yes, there's a tax stalemate. I do know that Kevin Warren is meeting with the superintendent, though, to kind of go through that, Uh, potentially maybe come to an agreement. I don't know. There's a lot of work that still needs to be done there. But I do believe because of the land space that it's at, the work that's already being done, and I guess just this, you know, how unreasonable that Arlington Heights and uh, mainly Cook County is being with this tax break. I still think it's going to happen. And maybe part of that is wishful thinking because as a Northwest suburb resident, I really want it to happen because it's so close to my house. If they want to stay where soldier field is, does that mean they're going to go back down to Champaign Urbana and play at the university of Illinois? I went, that was awful. It was a terrible, it just it was bad all across the board. Like I don't, you know, where are they going to play while something is being built there? The only reason why I really bring this question up is I've had a ch- chance to talk to some Arlington Heights residents 
and it is not popular at all, which really surprises me. You talk to people in the areas surrounding Arlington Heights, and they're like, they're they're geeked up for it. Like, let's go. This will be great. But you talk to a lot of people in Arlington Heights. They're really upset about the traffic. They're they're worried about the the, the tax situation. How it's going to impact schools. Like some of the things. Like some of the concerns just don't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, but it sure seems like the people of Arlington Heights are fighting this far more than I kind of thought. Um, boys, anything left? Because I I am dying to ask you questions about training camp, and I can't wait to talk. We get there's a lot of bear stuff to talk about here. Let's do it. Cool. All right. All right. So um, I think me, like everybody else who hasn't been to training camp, is just so elated to hear about the Justin Fields to DJ Moore connection, that the two seem to be on the same page in, in so many different ways. What was it like, boys? Like, just run me through the whole experience. And was it easy to see the chemistry that people have been talking about? Jack, do you want to go first? You're muted, by the way. Gotcha. Gotcha before you did it. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, I, so, it, I mean, the facility is beautiful. The improvements that they've made are fantastic. It is now, you know, a grade A uh, facility. I think the, the players, I'm sure, enjoy being there. There was a general consensus amongst some of the the fans and creators in the stands that there was a bit of a, a lean towards liking Bourbonnais more because there was more space, more fans, better for the kids. And but but there's very little to complain about. At times, uh, the the players may be on a field uh, that's difficult to see from where you're sitting in the stands. But I think that goes along with the territory because they created quite a bit of space there. Um, you know, there's kind of an upper and a lower uh, set of fields. It'll be interesting to see where you guys are when you go, uh, Brendan and Ryan. For the first time since I've been going, we were kind of down on the lower fields, uh, but just ended up in a good spot. And we saw uh, quite a bit of action. As far as the chemistry uh, with Moore and Fields, I mean, it's there. I don't know. Has there been a day of camp so far where there wasn't a video posted in which during one-on-ones dbs against wideouts that justin didn't throw or connect on a deep ball with more in other words i believe he is connected on a daily basis uh with more on a deep ball uh from from justin fields i gotta say i i I was a little surprised that i wasn't more juiced about that you know because we've we're so bereft of offense but I was thinking about it a little bit today, and I, I, I want to see it in a game. <laughs> I, I need to see like it happen on the field, and we are watching on a Sunday and texting each other and going bonkers. I need to see it then. I really do. I mean, there is that little bit of, okay, they're in pajamas. They've just got their shoulder pads and helmets on. You know, don't take anything in training camp too, too seriously. Um, but clearly better to see that you know, than what Brendan and I saw a few years back uh, when we, well, even last year when we were like, who are the wideouts going to be? What number is that guy? Oh, that's, oh, okay. You know, or uh, ESB was like, you know, one of the top three. So in that regard, that wide receiver room, way better. We're, 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 we're thirsty for it. Uh, Brendan, before you throw in, I just want to say, Brendan and I will be at training camp Wednesday, August 9th. If you happen to be there, Please 
come over and talk to us. Brendan and our, I, I think we're, we're very approachable people. We want to talk bears. And if you just happen to be there, uh, please come and find us. Say hello. That, that would be, it would be really awesome. Yeah. And I will also be there on Tuesday, the eighth. So back to back days. I'm really excited about, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll set the stage a little bit because I know when Jack said he maybe wanted to see a little more, I agree. But also we weren't on Friday. If you're in the Chicagoland area, you probably know it was hot as hell and humid as hell on Friday. And I in Thursday, too, really. So I was actually kind of expecting going into it that maybe practice isn't going to be that intense because they can't do this back to back days. And sure enough, there was a lot more walkthroughs. It was a lot slower. I know Dan Weeder had a tweet that didn't go over well with some people saying it was like the least entertaining practice that he's seen. <laughs> and you know what? To be to be fair, he kind of has a point because it was very just slow. You saw very few full speed drills with 11 on 11s. I think it was probably close to a dozen maybe. And I don't know. Jack could probably you know speak to that a little bit. But it was a lot of just slower stuff, installs. And so you didn't see a lot of those splash plays that you might have in other practices. But that being said, with fields and more, it just felt seamless between the two. So in one-on-one drills, fields drops back, hits DJ Moore on an in route with Jalen Johnson with really, really good coverage. Easy pitch and catch, tight tight coverage, but, you know, they made it happen. And then on the very next play, he hit Cole Komet on a flag route as well. So just kind of those two big targets – Fields was like dialed in right away. Um, you saw a little bit in 11 on 11s with full speed. DJ Moore, I think, just kind of had like a deeper 10-yard curl, was kind of sitting in the belly of the defense, had three defenders around him. Fields found him with a just really good accurate pass. I just I equate it to pitch and catch, just easy between the two of those guys. It feels seamless. It feels easy. But in kind of comparing to what I saw last year in person versus this year, last year I I told everyone that Fields is trying to force the ball to Mooney and Komet. Komet especially. I was like, this guy's going to have a big year because he is just going to get force-fed the ball. And sure enough, he led the Bears in every category receiving-wise. This year I really feel like he's doing a better job spreading it out. Of course he has more weapons with uh, more Claypool, Mooney's back. Uh, you saw some passes to Equinemius St. Brown. He's trying to find Tyler Scott there. But Fields just looks more contr- in control of this offense. There aren't the miscues like the missed snaps or the bobbled snaps or confusion with like guys lined up in the wrong spot. It, it just felt overall seamless, and that's what I was really excited about, just doing the simple things better. Now, yeah, we saw some drops. There was a bad drop, Tyler Scott drop that Fields just had a really, really – or no, it was P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker had a really nice pass too. Um, You probably heard about the interception that Fields had to T.J. Edwards when he would have been sacked. That wasn't a great play. But overall, it just really feels like that the offense is on kind of even par with the defense. And when's the last time we've been able to say that? I don't think it's uh, because the defense is lacking either because you see some of these DBs. I mentioned Johnson. I meant uh, Kyler Gordon. They're sticking on guys pretty well, whether it's one-on-ones or team drills. So I'm I'm excited to see when pads actually come on. When Ryan, when you and I go, hopefully it's a little more ramped up and we can see things a little bit more speed. But yeah, I, I was I was satisfied with what I saw. And I uh, 
I'll just plug a few things I did on Bears Wire. I did my observations on Friday if you want to read that. A um, couple takeaways and standouts who I liked uh, over the last few days of camp. So, so Brendan, you kind of answered this question, but, but to both of you guys, uh, the things that I've been reading and the reports that seem to be coming out is that it is a lot more back and forth, uh, that the defense will make a couple of really good plays and that the offense will make a couple of good plays that, that it's, it's noticeable that the offense is at a, at a better pace, uh, that they, that there are more weapons that are available, that the offense looks better as a whole but that the defense is also showing some things, which, which is, it's hard to tell. Um, is that kind of what you guys were noticing while you were there? Go ahead, Ben. Yeah. Like I said, I really do. Um, it really, maybe not even with some of those like splash, like interception plays or anything, but you know, Jalen Johnson batting a ball away from Valus Jones, Jr. One play um, guys just like they're, they're tight on coverage. Um, now, certain guys have had rough goes of it. Tyreek Stevenson, for example, got put in a blender in one-on-ones uh, facing Chase Claypool. So he's kind of struggled a little bit. But other guys have stepped up, guys like Terrell Smith, the um, – I think it was a fifth – no, maybe sixth-round rookie uh, out of Minnesota in the secondary. Um, it, now, it's also hard to see about pass rush and offensive line play too because these guys aren't in pads. They're not going full strength. But you've seen a couple guys off the defensive line get the better of some of the Bears tackles. Darnell Wright was the one who let up pressure from Terrell Lewis a couple times. And so, you know, depending on like maybe one one play, uh, Tevin Jenkins is winning his battle and then another play Wright or Braxton Jones is losing his. Yeah, it's just it has been like kind of that back and forth pull and um, pull and push. So, yeah, I, I really can't say that either side is sort of winning at this point. Would you say, like, based on what we saw and just in general performance, that Jalen Johnson should be the next one that gets paid? Because if, you, if I think about a standout player on the defense on that particular day, he, he, is, he is a notch above all the other defensive backs. I think he got beat by more, uh, you know, uh, but then the very next play, he came back. Yeah, and he was against Moore, and he had a great pass deflection, and he was in perfect position. I mean, he is an excellent cornerback. Yes. Yeah. I mean, no, I I agree, and I'm really encouraged by what he said in the press conference. We missed it unfortunately because we were leaving, but I good. saw it afterwards. Yeah. He essentially said, "I'm not worthy of." elite cornerback money because I don't have the production. Now this isn't verbatim, but you know, after Trevon Diggs got paid a crap load of money, you would think that Jalen Johnson wants like a, a really nice deal. And I'm sure he does, but he knows that he has to back it up with his production and he doesn't, he's not worthy of top five cornerback money. And that was really, really encouraging to hear for me because I was a little concerned that maybe he would come in with this, I guess, sense of I deserve this because I am a good cover corner, even though I've missed time in the last couple of years and I've only got one career interception. I think he is a very good cover corner, but knowing that he's probably set his market value lower than, you know, those other guys and rightfully so makes me encouraged that a deal actually could get done sooner rather than later. Tyreek Stevenson, Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon in the slot. Like I, that seems like a pretty rock solid. And then, and then you take uh, Brisker and Eddie Jackson. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to think like, and now move even forward. You got Sanborn uh, Edwards and 
Edmonds. Totally just Edmonds. Thank you so much. Wow. I mean, minus that 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 front four. Ugh, uh, I mean, that's a that's an awesome back half of that defense, and that 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 gets me excited that you got some playmakers back there. I'd I'd like to keep that core around for a while. No, I think there's a lot to be hopeful for. Absolutely. Hey, do you mind, like, really, really quickly, I want to go back to one thing that Brendan talked about that I think was is fascinating, and, and we talked a little bit about it on our thread, too, because it involves, it involves a little bit of nuance. Um, and I had tweeted early in the practice how impressed I was and have been with the way that um, – you know, Flus's staff conducts practice in terms of its efficiency. And I mentioned pace twice and not Ryan pace, but the pace of practice. And, you know, it's one of those things where I think two contradictory thoughts can be held at the same time and both be true. Um, because I do think that Flus runs a far better practice than the previous regime. And I have an example I wanted to run by uh, Brendan real quick too, but, but I, but also in the same token, because of the heat, uh, they they were doing 50% pace on 11 on 11s. Ryan, I don't know if in my entire career playing or as a coach, I have ever seen anybody run 50% 11 on 11s. I asked several coaches that I know and guys that I played with previously. It was, I mean, unheard of, honestly, had to be had to be predicated by the intense heat and probably a wise decision on the part of the coaching staff. But Brendan, think about the way that Eddie Jackson practiced under Nagy and think about what we saw with Eddie Jackson practicing a couple of days ago. He's my example. Mm -hmm. Eddie Jackson under Nagy was nonchalant, uh, undisciplined, not very professional. And I do know he had personal things going on. I guess I'm setting that aside. He didn't hold himself accountable and no coaches held him accountable either. And now he practices like a pro. The only time I noticed him in practice was for a flash of doing something amazing, (laughs) being a like dropping back to his deep corner, uh, to his deep half, high pointing a ball. He's a terrific athlete and a terrific safety. We know that. And so like both things permeate the entire team, right? The way that he was practicing and not being held accountable. And now the way he is practicing with discipline in a professional manner, he gets to each drill fast, fast, fast. His helmet's not half pop cocked off his head. Like it was most of the naggy practices. It's just a totally different vibe when it comes to like holding people accountable, like running drills to learn skills and get better. Not just going through the motion like, oh, I already got my bag and I and I, I can't get any better in this drill. It's a completely different vibe. So Weeder was right. It was slow because it was hot. But overall, and I don't have to be right, but I'm just saying, like, the practices are better. Yeah, they are, they are better. And even going, so this is my third, now that uh, Bears practice has been moved to Hallis Hall. This is my third year doing it. And we talked a little bit about it last year. The naggy practices versus the flus practices are more succinct. They're more deliberate, I would say. And one thing I noticed, even as they were running 50% speed, Jack, the, the quickness that they got in and out of moving the first and second team offenses and defense on there, it was like, like yeah. it, things were moving. There was no it like rep. just it reps. Yes. They, they were running half speed, but there was no like lollygagging or just like no. things of that nature. Um, guys were just in and out of their assignments quick. 
And to your point about Jackson, he was, he was firing guys up. He was, you know, gassing guys up like, you know, let's go baby. Like he was, he was being vocal. You could hear him. We were right by him, like in the stands. Yeah. The, the intensity was, I don't want to say it was lower, just like, yeah, the design itself was slower. Um, Wasn't the most entertaining practice I've seen. And I sort of, you know, if you had asked me a week ago, are we going to see a bunch of walkthroughs on day three of practice? I would have said no, but circumstances and, you know, of the heat as well as installs, it kind of makes sense. So I, I do like where things are going and how Flus does run his practice. It, it just seems more deliberate and, you know, better paced, like you said. And as bad as we were last year, you think about some of the primary categories we were down in were the categories we were the worst in previously flagrant yes. fouls, you know, undisciplined play on the field, unsportsmanlike, um, th- those types of things uh, were mostly eradicated. Now you improve the roster and let's see where this thing can go. Yep. Boys, I want to finish today before we get to shout outs with a true false. Is there anything that I have missed that you guys would like to talk about before we get out of here? Um, the PJ, PJ Walker has a rifle for an arm, dude. <laughs> like, yeah, he throws a frozen rope. And if we need him to be a backup, I I wouldn't be too too worried about him coming into a game. Cool. Yeah. It reminds me of Jay Cutler in in the sense of just like the rocket arm. No, I'm dead serious. Like, just I was I surprised. Mean, I was not expecting that. Yeah, it's friggin' unbelievable. Because um, I know Just, I, Justin Fields is 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 supposed to have a pretty dang strong arm too. But to, so to hear you throw in the JC in there, man, that's 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 high praise for arm you'll strength. See it, you'll see, yeah, arm strength. Yes, yes. Um, couple things I got. Um, there's kind of a mixed things depending on the practice you went to. I thought Khalil Herbert looked really really good, and I was talking to Luis Medina, former podcast guest that we had in front of the show. Um, of Bleacher Nation Bears. And he's like, man, just watching Khalil Herbert run is so aesthetically pleasing. And I'm like, yeah, it really is. He he just, you know, gets in and out of his cuts quickly. He finds the hole right away. And he was getting the majority of the work uh, with the first team offense. Uh, saw a little bit of Deontay Foreman, but I just thought between the, the running styles and just the production. And again, I'll say it again, no pads on. It's hard to kind of take away running back stuff, but I just thought Khalil Herbert looked really, really good. And I think he still has the inside track to becoming RB one for week one. Um, yeah. There, there's a ton of other stuff I can go into just, you know, I don't know if people would care about, um, like I said, read about it on bears wire. Uh, Cause I don't want to spend too much time on everything. Cause I could nitpick everything, but uh, overall, yeah, it was, I was just super pleased to be out there. Um, oh, last thing. Country music was everywhere. Everywhere. Matt Eberflus said he wanted to play more country music, and Jesus Christ, did he get that wish? Because the playlist solely consisted of country music throughout the entire practice. I don't think I've ever seen that ever at an NFL training camp practice. No, nor have I. Yeah, right. Do, do, do your do, <laughs> do your players want to hear that? Like, I I, I had wondered because I, I, I do think I, they're so good at what they do. They probably like take turns. Maybe it was free Saturday. I was going to say, because as someone who has been a coach now, it's a high school, so it's very, very different. There were days where people were like, Dangle, are you going to run music throughout the whole practice? I was like, wait, what's what's wrong? And they're like, coach, you, you know, <laughs> coach, no. your music yeah. and our music, it's not, it's not the same thing. So 
All right. So boys, I've been meaning to ask this question and I wish Sheldon and I wish Logan were here, but they are not. Uh, Justin Fields said in a uh, CBS uh, sports interview that he will be the first Chicago Bears passer to throw for 4,000 yards. So true or false, Justin Fields will be the Chicago Bears first 4,000 yard passer this season. Let's go, Jack. Brendan and I will finish it up. Hold on, before we before we say our answers, I just want to know: is there a caveat that it's going to be this season or just in general? I believe I did say this season. Did I not? Let, let, I yeah, let's do. Let's. I'm throwing down this, this season. season. Okay, he's going to okay. throw four thousand yards. Right. Jack, Brendan, me. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to say true. I I do not buy the Justin Fields is a running back playing quarterback crowd. I think the focus on him and the criticism has been way out of line. I've watched him now for two years. And so, so have you, there's not a single thing that I saw in camp or last season that made me think that Justin Fields can't be um, proficient as a passer. I think he'll be uh, this year, a 4,000 yard passer. The first one the bears have ever had. Crying. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to say I will say false. And it's not because I doubt Justin Fields' abilities or anything like that. It's because it still hasn't happened. It's one of those things I'm going to be late to the party on because it, it's hard to do in the NFL, one. But two, Justin Fields had 2,200 passing yards last year in 15 games. I mean, you can talk about whether or not he's a good passer. I think he is, and I think some of that is circumstantial. But like to take the jump, to basically double your yardage in one season, I think is going to be really, really difficult. I'm setting the bar for him at like 34, 3,500 yards because I do think he's still going to run a lot. Some of those like passing attempts, he may choose to run. And I still believe that Luke Getze's not going to become like a – 40 to 45 passing attempts, offensive coordinator in one season. I They're definitely going to take steps to get there. And I, if you're going to ask me if Justin Fields is going to be the first Bears quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards, maybe ne- uh, in 2024, 2025, I'll say yes. I just don't think it's happening in 2023 yet. I'm, I'm going to agree with you, Brendan. I'm going to say false. I, I could see something like, 3,600, 3,800 yeah. to get really, really, really close. Um, but because we're Bears fans, we're going to continue to live in, you know, the the 18th century as far as quarterbacks uh, are considered. And I also think with his dual running ability, either one, you're looking at an injury or, yeah, where, where he could throw for maybe another 100 yards, he's going to rush for those. Um, I don't care. Um, if, if <laughs> yeah, if, 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 if dude, let's just say he has a collective 30 tutties this season and, you know, that's between rushing and passing. I don't care. I don't care if he has 28 rushing touchdowns and two passing. Like, I don't care as long as he's productive and we're moving the ball and we're scoring points. I don't care. Boys, let's get to shout outs, shout outs for this week. Let's go. Brendan, Brendan, I'm sorry. I've been putting you in the backseat this whole time. So Brendan, we're going to put you out first, Jack, and then I will finish it up. Shout outs, boys. Let's get out of here. All right. I have way too many people to shout out, so I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I'm just going to say just shout out to every single person who, like I said, has just supported and wished me well wishes throughout like the 
the whole experience with NBC Sports Chicago, as well as meeting everybody at training camp, uh, whether it was fellow bloggers or writers, broadcasters or fans and friends. Uh, it was just awesome. The last few weeks have been incredible. So I just want to shout out everybody there. So instead, I'm going to give a special shout out to my late grandfather, Ed Mahoney. And the reason is on the Friday that I, I think it was the 7th, I think it was 7-7. Uh, the Friday that I went to uh, NBC Sports Chicago, it got bumped a day. It was supposed to be the Thursday, but the White Sox got rained out, so they had a doubleheader on Thursday. So I got moved to Friday. That was my grandfather's 100th birthday in heaven, and he was one of the most prominent radio hosts down in Springfield forever. I mean, he was he turned into basically Chauncey from ESPN 1000 doing great outdoors for the last few I don't know, maybe decade of his life um, when he was doing radio, but he was a big sports and outdoors host back then. And he was kind of an inspiration for me wanting to get into television and radio back in high school. I chose not to do it because I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think that anybody would like my voice or I just, I didn't feel like it was my thing. So I switched career paths and it ultimately led me back to, you know, writing and now podcasting and then, of course, the TV appearance. So to have that on his 100th birthday and to get like my first like television experience with the Bears, I said a prayer to him, you know, just said, I know you're on my shoulder watching me here. And then after the show, I didn't I omitted this purposely, went outside, kind of enjoyed the, uh, you know, uh, downtown being on the river. It was so nice. And I said, man, I need a drink. And I went to the closest bar I could find and I ordered a Manhattan and that was his favorite drink. And I just sort of like cheers him up in heaven. And I just said, thanks for being there with me. I know how proud he would have been of me. And so uh, just my shout out goes to him. And, you know, just really cool that I had that experience on what would have been his 100th birthday. What a cool story, Brennan. That is awesome, dude. That was a great chair. I love that. Uh, okay, I've got just three shout outs. I'll, I'll try to make them um, quick. Uh, first, I want to I'm going to shout out uh, WBEZ Radio and NPR. Uh, I love to learn. Their podcasts are fantastic. I listen to them all the time. And uh, they uh, yeah, every time I listen to one, I learn something new and they're so great. Uh, I want to shout out um, Andrew Cromer, who is uh, on Twitter still calling it Twitter on Twitter as NFL outdated uh, met him in the stands. Uh, I think he goes by Andy. Andy is going to uh, green Bay, uh, went to green Bay, uh, went to, he's a bears fan, went to green Bay, Minnesota, and he's going to go to Detroit. He's going to all of the training camps and he's reporting out on the training camps. Uh, we talked about maybe getting him on cause it might be interesting to get his perspective. So uh, shout out to uh, Andy Cromer. Uh, And then my last shout out is to uh, Yacht Radio. Uh, It's on uh, Sirius XM and also on Spotify, like a yacht, like a boat, Yacht Radio. I'm almost 50. I'm the youngest that I'll ever be today. I've decided to embrace my 50-year-oldness. And so I'm listening to Billy Ocean, Caribbean Queen, and John Cicada, Just Another Day. And so Yacht Radio is my vibe right now. And I'm just going to own it and shout out Yacht Radio. Are, are you wearing New Balance shoes right now? Uh, no, but I, I, I just got a pair in the mail uh, today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, there are so many shout outs to give. Uh, Brendan, I know I already said it, but dude, to just to watch you on TV 
was like I work with that guy. It was it was a moment of pride for for, for the podcast, and it was really 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 cool. Uh, Jack, uh, they say that some of the your your best friends are the ones that will help you move. Jack helped me move into this space, and so Jack, thank you very very much for that. John Piltaver, you as well, dude. It means so very very much. Uh, Kevin Alevsky, a good friend of ours who we wanted to have on. He's a Vikings fan, um, and actually helped start our first podcast. Um, he's a very, very good guy, and we're very appreciative of him. He's he's getting married, so congratulations to you, uh, Kevin Nalewski. Um, And the last one and the most important one, it goes to our guy, TJ Brooks. TJ had a family situation uh, that could have ended very, very differently, and uh, everyone is home and safe, and that just makes me really, really happy. I, I, I can't imagine what that situation was like for you, TJ. Um, so please, please, please do take care of yourself. Um, just very, very happy to hear that one. Um, I have done a very bad job of this, boys, and so I do apologize. We we're putting all of you. We we you've got some homework. We need some reviews, whether that be uh, you know like and subscribe. But but go to wherever you listen to this podcast and please hit us with a five star review. It really helps to widen our audience. And I haven't been saying that, um, and I can tell. Uh, we need more reviews. Please, 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 if you could um, write us a five-star review. It really could help grow this thing. Uh, also, follow us on threads with the instability of, of Twitter right now. I don't know about you guys, but it has been wonky for me. It has not worked super duper well. And with this with this change, you know, Elon wanting to call it X, I just I get a little bit worried that the community that we've helped build through Twitter um, could be in jeopardy. So please follow us on threads, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook. Uh, so that we can stay communicating with all of you. Now, folks, let me just say this. We know that there are so many places to get your Bears content and you've chosen to hang out with us. It means more than any of us can say. And so we just want to say thank you so, so very much for hanging out with all of us. So for Jack Wright, for Brendan Chagru, for Patrick Sheldon, for all of us at the Bear Down Chicago podcast, thank you so very much for listening. And as always, folks, Bear Down Chicago.